empty grave, a testimony that he lives, and he lives in us, amen, praise God. Thankful to be here tonight, happy to be in the house of the Lord, amen. God bless you each and every one, and those that have joined us online, praise the Lord. Bless, may may you feel the presence of the Lord wherever you are, amen. Let's sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He is so faithful, and we're so thankful for it. Amen. Just worship Him tonight. Crown Him with our praise. Amen. Oh, great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe we can just sing, Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. Thank you, Jesus. We are here to worship you, Lord. We're here to lift your name, Lord. We're here to magnify your name and glorify your name, Lord. We worship you, Father. We praise you, O God, for you are worthy, Lord. O Father, our songs of praise are for thee, O God, and for thee alone, Lord.
wonderful Savior, blessed Redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, you touch every life, Lord God. You move in every life, Lord God. Oh, you know exactly where we are, Lord, what we have need of tonight, Father. You are infinite, oh God. There is nothing too hard, Lord. Nothing too big nor too small. There is nothing like that with you, Father. Oh, God. And you hold our lives in the palm of your hands, Lord. You have purchased us with your own blood, Lord God. We are yours, Lord. We are your temple, oh God. Oh, just have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Have your way, oh God, as we prepare to hear your word, Lord. We want to create an atmosphere, oh God, for you to move in, Lord God. For you to do your marvelous works, oh Father. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Can we sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? I was listening to that song before the service, and I just felt impressed to sing it together with you as we worship our Lord. He truly is our friend. Amen. Oh, what a friend we have in
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Brother Mike Gagne, could I ask you to come lead us in prayer tonight? We have one prayer request written in here. Coming from uh, Sister Margaret. She's got a co-worker. Uh, her co-worker's name is Wendy. And she has a brother named Wayne. Um, they've asked to remember him in prayer. He's got pancreatic cancer, which has spread. So we just want to bring that before our Father tonight. Amen. Come on, Brother Mike. You have a need tonight. Our God is faithful. Amen. precious heavenly father lord it's just so good to come into your presence lord just a place lord where we can let off the pressure lord we can come here lord and commune with you settle our spirits from the things of the world and lord just hear from you father we're just so thankful father that you are that hiding place you are our shelter You're our great high priest. You're our joy. You're our peace. You're our strength. You're our everything, oh God. All we have need of is in you, Lord Jesus. And we're so thankful, Father, that we have that attribute of Jesus Christ in us, Lord. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh God, Lord, these vessels, Lord, we want to surrender to you, Father. That you could speak to us this night, Lord. Just take our minds, Lord. Empty out everything, Lord, around us, everything, Lord, except for you, Father. Just come, speak to our hearts this night, Lord. Have communion with us, Lord. We're hungry, we're thirsty, Lord. We want more of you, Lord Jesus. Bless us, Lord, with your presence, Lord. Your indwelling presence, oh, Father. We pray, Father, that you would be with our sister Margaret, Lord. She's always so faithful, oh, God, witnessing at work and wherever father she's brought many here father and the people around her have confidence that she knows a god that can answer prayer and we've heard many times before that these things come to our ears because we have a connection with you and so we know there's an answer waiting and our sister is faithful oh god and we just pray that you would be with this situation father this young man we don't know how old he is father but Lord, it's a, it's a time, Father, that uh, you check up. You have to make sure that where you're going and what, what things are all about, Lord, what, what awaits. And Father, we just pray for his soul, first of all, Father, that he would make himself right with you if he's not, Lord. And, Lord, everything is in your control, Father. You placed our sister Margaret there for a purpose, Father. We just ask you, O God, to be with us now to receive your word. Bless our minister, Father. We're so thankful for the gifts that you've placed here, Father. Where would we be? What would we do, Father? If we just didn't have this word, we didn't have these men surrendered to you, Father, that we could hear, that we could take it in and respond to you, Lord. And, Lord, just to line up to every word. We commit ourselves to you. We commit to minister the rest of the song service to you. May you be glorified. We thank you in your precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
seats tonight. Thankful for his word that we can depend on. Brother Richard, you've got uh, something to tell us. Why don't you come up and do that at this time? Amen. I'll uh, make it uh, short, but uh, how many here do not know Brother Vernon Manahan from the Philippines? Nobody ever heard of him? Still only a couple of people? Okay, good. Anyway, um, Brother Vernon has been working with a pastor in General Santos City on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines. And they're, they're having to take, like there's no roads. It's all just trails. And so they have to pack on mules and whatever to go back into the mountain people. And they're doing some missionary work there. So he has uh, contacted us and asked us um, about sending them some clothing. So... Um, in all of our efforts to attempt to get clothing into Uganda, it just didn't work. And so not without spending insane amounts of money. So um, so the clothing we had collected for Uganda, we've already boxed up for the Philippines, but we want to have more than that. Um, just for information, uh, for they were basically children and adult clothing. For adult males in that area, they're basically 5'3 to 5'8", and the women are about 5' foot nothing to about 5'5". Five five. So um gives you a, a range for adult clothing. Uh, and the type of clothing that they would need would be the kind of clothing you would be wearing if you were working outside today. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's hot, it's humid, and so summer-type clothes would be the best. Footwear is okay, too, but, you know, the light kind of stuff. So I just wanted to get that out there so you can kind of pass it around, think about it. I know summer is ending for us. It doesn't end for them. And uh, so it's always the same temperature pretty much. Um, I I had a chuckle with the Filipino saints as we were packing the box, and they were talking about, you know, it, it, it gets cold in the Philippines. Like, it can get down to 17. And I went, oh, really? That's, uh, I, I tend to hunt at minus 25. But, uh, anyway, it's, uh, so I, it's, uh, it's a different headspace a bit when we're packing these kind of clothes, but that's what, uh, we're looking for over the next few weeks to, uh, to gather some together so we can box some stuff up and send them to them. So thanks. Amen. Thank you, Brother Richard. Let's do what we can for the brothers and sisters. The bride of Christ around the world. Amen. We'll invite Brother Brother Tim to come and minister unto us, Brother Tim Dodd. And um, maybe we can sing glory to his name down at the cross where my Savior died. Hallelujah. Well, down at the cross where my Savior died. Down Thank you. 
Hallelujah. Aren't you glad the blood was applied? Blessed be his name. The blood was applied. When we thought we were lost and there was no hope for us, the blood was applied. Amen. Glory to his name. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. And uh, I trust that you're glad to be here. Greetings to you each and every one in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a wonderful uh, weekend with the saints from the Seattle church and uh, wonderful fellowship. And uh, it was an ordination of Brother David Mbui, who had already been voted in as the pastor there, but had never been officially ordained. And Brother Tom bore the most of the burden and did a wonderful job. And we so appreciate him. And uh, we appreciate the saints down there. Those services were amazing. And uh, the Lord just uh, kind of brought the people together. I just felt like, like it was a wonderful atmosphere and a wonderful togetherness in it all. And we thank God for that. And, and I want to thank Brother Richard for his labors. And I want to say he did everything he could do to get close to Uganda. <laughs> that was a, a bridge too far or a mountain too high or something. It was, they have quite a control, a governmental control on imports of used clothing in Uganda. Largely because it's an industry and uh, they import used clothes. And so for us to get shipments to the believers in Uganda was not possible. But then Brother Vernon Manahan asked if we could supply to some of these poor believers in the hills of the Philippines. And when we say poor, uh, we mean poor until they uh, hardly can uh, have any clothing at all. So you just pray what God will do. Did you mention the donation with the clothes? You didn't. Okay, if uh, usually we ask if you give a pound of clothes, give a dollar with every pound of clothes. It helps us with the shipping. And uh, if you are able to do that, if you can't afford, then of course you can't afford. But uh, a dollar a pound, if you donate it to missions, that'll help us send the containers over to the Philippines. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. God bless you. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to the Word of God. Thank you to the musicians. I want to turn uh, to the book of Habakkuk tonight. Habakkuk chapter 2. Are you looking forward to the Word? Amen. Seems just a tad quiet in here. Are we all here? Amen. Uh, I want to say that... uh, uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to preach tonight, so I, I don't know if you're sure if you're ready to hear what's going to be preached tonight. I, uh, I've been pondering and meditating on a subject just, that just can, keeps opening wider and wider and wider and try and condense it down into one service is never easy. And uh, you say, well, Brother Tim, why don't you take a series? Well, my... My services aren't really close enough together to take a series, so we try and put as much into one service and then move on. Just follow, try and follow the mind of the Lord as the services go forward. And the other brethren, we've certainly enjoyed uh, and appreciated uh, the ministry of all the brethren that have been preaching. I haven't been able yet to catch up with uh, the Sunday service yet, just been studying for tonight. And you can tell by the way I'm talking that I'm actually quite nervous. And uh, so 
We just let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer. We're just looking for the mind of God or the hand of God to direct this service tonight. And if you have a need, you want God to minister to you. Why don't you just hold that before the Lord as we pray? Wonderful Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence tonight, we're mindful, Lord, that you are here in the midst of your people. Lord, we've studied, we've looked into your word, and we have much, very much, Lord, here. And sometimes as a minister, Father, you know our hearts. We wonder, have we chosen the right pathway to get to the destination that you want us to get to tonight? But Lord, we trust you. We put our confidence in the mighty Jehovah. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is in the midst of his people. The very word that is moving amongst us even now to discern the thoughts and intents of every heart. To know, Lord, what our needs are, you see, and know our thoughts from afar. But yet you draw near to us. Lord, that we might commune with you. And we say, Lord, let us commune with you tonight. Let us sit at your feet and hear the things that the Spirit is speaking to the church. Lord, I believe that every son and daughter of God that has come under your divine presence tonight would have a desire, would have a yearning, would have something, perhaps a burden or something, Lord, that they would desire to hear from you, Lord. And I just want to get out of the way, so to speak, that you would just take control of your word and minister in the direction that you would, Lord. Father, may burdens be lifted. Lord, may chains be broken. Lord, let the sick be healed. Even now, Lord, let sickness depart from this place. Even now, Lord, let trials seem a little lighter. Lord, let our, let the joy of the Lord come into our midst. And Father, may we rejoice with thanksgiving tonight as we enter into your presence in the ministry of the word. Take the preeminence, Lord, just have your way, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Amen. I titled the message tonight, The Ingredients of the Materialization of the Word, which is a whole mouthful. And, and, uh, but really the title should be The Materialization of the Sword of the Lord. The Materialization of the Sword of the Lord. When Brother Branham was up on the mountain and the sword, as Brother Jean so wonderfully dealt with it last week, the sword hit his hand. He said, the sword materialized. But what did it take to materialize that sword? What was the necessary ingredients? What was the, what was God doing? And, and we find a pattern throughout the scripture that when the vision materializes, it takes a very specific course in our lives. And that's what we want in these last days. The vision for the last days is the rapture. And we want that vision to fully materialize. Amen. We realize that we've been caught into the vision. It's captured us. It's moving us. It's changing us from glory to glory. We can't help it. You might feel like you're, it's just holding you by the thinnest of strands, but it's still holding you. And it's moving you forward. And God has a purpose in what he's doing in our lives. And, and if the Lord willing, we just want to touch on some of those things tonight. So Habakkuk chapter 2. And verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that they may run that readeth it. 
want you to notice that statement. That they may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It's an important statement there. The vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Amen. Let's take, while we're standing, let's just turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. We want to just read here from verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. One last scripture I'll read. You you know it, so you can turn to it or not. But in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 4, it says, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven say unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. You see, that's why John wasn't permitted to write it. It wasn't for his day. It was for the days of the voice of the seventh angel. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, materialization is an interesting word. We, we think we understand it for something to materialize. We understand that the things which are seen were made of things which do not appear. We understand that God dwelt alone with his thoughts. And Brother Branham picks it up in 1951 and he, and, and he says, Understand now the angel of God, sometimes when a blessing is pronounced on you, he may not be that he can't get to you right then. It might not be just instant healing. But as you believe, your faith will make you whole. I want you to catch what he's saying here. He says, some people have spontaneous faith, great faith. Then he says, that deep. I don't know. It's not a video, so I don't know what he meant by that deep. Maybe it was that deep, you know. And uh, he says, he says, that's a miracle. And some of them have faith about that deep. Maybe he's talking a little bit less here. It'll take a little while. And some has mustard seed faith. Very little. 
But just stay with it. It'll bring you out. He says, it'll materialize. He says, when God spoke the dirt that you said over tonight, that's God's word. God just said, let there be, and his word materialized. Amen. Everything that we see, everything that we come in contact with in this dimension is God's word materialized. It might have changed his form and even in some cases the devil might have perverted it and twisted its form. But yet in the midst of all of it, it's God's word materialized. If you trace it back, it wouldn't be here if God hadn't said, let there be. He says, is that true? Is that true? He says, where did he get it from if it wasn't? He just spoke it. It's God's materialized word formed the earth that you set on. He says, now God in his sovereign love has sent down this gift to manifest before you to let you know that he never died back there. He rose again. He's the resurrected Christ with us tonight. His same power. Now, notice how Brother Branham said that. He said, he didn't say he sent this gift to resurrect him. He says he sent this gift to show you that he did resurrect. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gift that he sent amongst us as a prophet was to prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that gift that God brought this message through, then it shows us something that is very, very important here. He says, his same manifestation, though you don't see him, yet you know he's here. All right. Now, Brother Branham is no longer with us on this in this dimension. But yet, because of him, we have a message. Because of him, we have recorded prayer lines and things that showed the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ in the life of William Branham to prove that he's alive. Jesus Christ was proving he was alive. He's still alive tonight. He's still alive tonight. I was listening or reading a today of a testimony as Brother Branham was sharing it. I, it just brought tears to my eyes. It brought me out of my chair in my office and, and, and caused me to raise my hands and say, Lord, you're such a wonderful God. You're so good to us and so, so bless us. We so thank God for everything that he did. And he's the same today as he was then. We may not have the same gift to prove that he's alive. But as Brother Branham says, if you'll just let your faith hold to the promise, it will materialize what you believe. He says, you see him in the spirit form working. Thomas said, if I can touch his side and I can touch his hands, I'll believe him. Jesus said, how much greater is their reward who has never seen me and yet believed? He might not materialize himself before you tonight, but he's here. And every word of God is a seed. And it'll materialize if you believe it. Just accept it in your heart and it will come to pass. Amen. Now the Bible tells us that there's a sword of the Spirit. The Bible tells, we, we know that there's a spirit. God is a spirit. And God dwelt alone in his own thoughts, with his own thoughts. And before, even Brother Branham says, before there was even an atom. He says, when God was alone with his thoughts, none of these atoms existed. None of this material existed. It, it, God, it was just God alone with his thoughts. He ever was and ever will be. And 
And we realize our finite minds have a hard time grasping that. And we have a hard time understanding that because we, we have such a finite thought. But his understanding is infinite, as I said last time that I spoke. But now the Spirit of God has a sword. And his sword is the Word. Amen? I'm, I trust we're, we're all Christians tonight, or most all of us are Christians, and so we understand Ephesians 6 speaks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the sword is something that is wielded. The sword is something that cuts. The sword is something that causes an impact. And, and, and God speaks, and it happens. All right. God speaks and it happens. He says, let there be, let there be light. And there was light. Amen. God said, let there be water. Let there be day. Let there be night. Let there be botany life. Let there be animal life. Let us make man in our image. All of those statements, God speaks and it happens. Amen. And so God speaks his word and he says, and the Bible in Hebrews 4, and I'm just rehearsing scripture that you already know. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. All right. So it's, it's quick, more powerful and sharper than any sword that you will ever find in anyone else's hands. And in, by, matter of fact, the Bible says that the devil, even in the dark ages, as a red horse rider, the Antichrist spirit, would be given a sword. And there would be put a sword in his hand, but the sword of the spirit, which we are commanded to pick up and take with us as part of our armor to withstand the enemy, is more powerful than the sword that was given to the red horse rider. It's more powerful than any sword. It's sharper than any sword. It's able to do a greater work than any sword. He says, the Bible goes on, it says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And that's, that's very necessary. And I've ministered on that in the past because your soul is who you really are and your spirit is who you think you are. And we need the word to separate the two. We need the word of God to separate what we think we are from what we really are. Because your seed gene in your soul is what you really are. And that's what the spirit comes to quicken. And then the soul controls the spirit and the spirit controls the body. And if we can get the entire being lined up to the revelation of the son or daughter of God that lays within our heart, it will bring to pass every promise of God. As you've heard service after service, you can take a hold of your inheritance knowing who you are. But the greatest battle is in our minds. Amen. That's the battleground. We've been quickened in our souls, but the devil still comes in our mind to deceive us from who we really are. He tries to get you to disbelieve who you are. He tries to tell you that your mistakes are too great. He tries to tell you that there's not enough grace for you. He tries to tell you your complexes are too much. He tries to tell you that, that, you know, you, you've got too much against you. He tries to tell you that you don't want the word of God. I'll tell you what, when we get on the other side, and when this world is thrown into a complete destruction, you know, any thought of the devil that he puts in our mind towards, you want the world, will mean nothing then. The devil gets into people's minds, especially young people, says, you want to taste the world. You want a taste of the world. You want a taste of this. You want a taste of that, just like he did to Eve. 
in the Garden of Eden. But you'll be so satisfied when you let the Word of God have the preeminence in your life. You'll be so satisfied. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad you kept me away from the things of the world. I'm so glad you protected me. I'm so glad you separated. I'm so glad for the boundaries of the Word. Amen. I'm glad there was boundaries to this Word. That's not my subject, but that's a great subject all within itself. He says, it's a dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Hallelujah. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Of the heart, not the mind. The heart. All right. This sword, so powerful. Bible records in Revelation that this sword proceeds out of his mouth. It's the word of the Lord. And with the sword that proceeds out of his mouth, he will destroy the enemy. He will absolutely destroy the enemy. Brother Ram says in the fourth seal, he says, he will be slayed by the word that proceeds from his mouth. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. They could call for a hundred billions of tons of flies if they wanted to. Whatever they say is going to happen. Because it's the word of God coming from the mouth of God. Now notice this next sentence. It's his word, but he always uses men to work it. So when the Bible says it proceeds from his mouth, through what channel? He gives it to men to speak. He gives it to believers to confess. And it's that sword that comes from his mouth that defeats the enemy. In the message, God is his own interpreter. And I might be, as Brother Tom would say, quotatious tonight. He says, now, all we are today, all we are today is a display of his attributes. He was the eternal one, the main fountain of all intelligence. And in this fountain of all intelligence, there was not an atom, molecule, or nothing. Light, nowhere, star, moon, nothing else. God, what we know as God, the great spirit that was eternal. He never did begin. He never did end. He was there. And in him was attributes. It was attributes to be God. Then his attributes to be a father. Attributes to be a son. Attributes to be a savior. Attributes to be a healer. He says all these attributes were in him. And now these things that has unfolded since then are just his attributes being made manifest. I love when God manifests himself. Amen. When I, when I see someone get healed and I, I prayed, any ministers prayed, I'm sure you've prayed, and you've seen God heal somebody. I don't say, how great was my prayer. I say, how great He is. How wonderful He is. That He would hear our prayers, and He would deliver somebody from their sickness. How wonderful the Lord Jesus is. You know, brother, how many times, Brother Branham, I should have looked it up maybe, how many times Brother Branham says, isn't He lovely? I love that statement. Isn't he lovely? He just comes in the midst of his people and meets their needs. He wants you 
to have a better life. But he also wants you to have character. That's why not everything is a miracle. If everything was a miracle, you'd never have character. If he just give you the revelation just to, just to speak things into existence and, and sweep aside every obstacle that ever came to you, there'd be no character in that. But God's molding character and a character is the only thing that we're going to take with us. Because character is necessary because we're going to sit with him in his throne. And he's looking for a people with character that will rule and reign with him throughout eternity. And so it's necessary that we fight. It's necessary that we battle. It's necessary that we overcome. It's necessary that there be opposition. Faith itself has to have opposition. If there is no opposition, we wouldn't need faith. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you could say they had perfect faith, but yet they never realized it because there was no opposition. Everything just happened the way they spoke it. But there had to be a fall. There had to be a a coming down into this realm to manifest the the attributes of God within our lives. Brother Bram says, what I mean attributes was his thoughts. He says, a word is a thought expressed. And then that was in his thinking. And when he said, let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. And now you Christians were his thoughts before there was a world. And you were the manifest, and you, excuse me. Before there was a world. And you are the manifestation of his thinking. That's exactly right. Somebody just said it. We're here. You're the manifestation of his thinking. You are the manifestation of his thinking. Can you accept that tonight? He always had you in his mind. And here you are. You're manifested in your day just like John the Baptist manifested in his day. Just like John Wesley manifested in his day. You are the manifestation of his thoughts for this day. The part of the picture that is being played out right now. Or if I could say it this way, you're the materialization. He says, before there even was a world, you were in Christ, in God, in the beginning. He says, that makes you then his subjects. The whole thing is God himself materializing himself tangible so he could be handled. That's not too strong for you, is it? The whole thing is God himself materializing himself tangible so he could be handled, seen, and so forth. That's what God is, the whole thing. Hallelujah. You're part of the whole thing. Last time I preached, he's infinite. And infinite really means that there's no big thing and there's no little things. There's just different things. With infinite, there's no limits. And because there's no limits, there's nothing too small and there's nothing too big. That's our God. And you're a part of that. It's not a question of uh, am I a big part or am I a little part? The point is you're your part. You're the part of God that he determined would be materialized as he's watched over your great-grandparents and grandparents and parents on down to bring you into materialization to be the thought expression of God for this hour. And the devil doesn't want us to believe that. He wants us to believe, well, we just came by chance. We're just here because, you know, my parents had a relationship and they decided one day they wanted to get married. Why did they decide they wanted to get married? 
Why did my grandparents marry? Why did my great-grandparents marry? What was the thing that attracted the... You ever think about that? What attracts people together? What attracted you to Murphy? Don't answer that, Mother Murphy. What attracted you to Tracy? Maybe I should ask Tracy, what attracted you to Murphy? Maybe we'd really find some things out tonight. But there's something somewhere. Brother Branham talks about, in one way, he talks about love at first sight. All right? And it's not necessarily the way the world thinks of love at first sight. But he says you meet somebody and that's just it. You just know that's the one. Why was it? There's something in you. And there's something there's something in him. And there's something in her. And there's something that brings it together. What is it? It's the mind of God being expressed. And God's expression is becoming materialized. And, and, And the eternal thoughts... Of God shows every influence, every atom, every, every, shows itself in every hindrance and overrides hindrances. And in the midst of all of the confusion of the world, God sees Himself materializing. Are you with me tonight? I realize you're thinking deep. And you know, we want to just let this Boil down into our soul. Because if, if we can just ignore the teaching of the age. And if we can ignore false religious teaching. Which some of us came from. As Brother Branham said, it's, it's creeds and dogmas that hindered the Holy Spirit down through the church ages. In other words, would not allow the full power of the Holy Spirit to manifest itself. But when you come back to the perfect word to bring a perfect revelation in the church, that has to bring a perfect loosing of the power of the Holy Spirit in the attributes of God. And so they, it's a statement ever so simple that Brother Branham makes when the church realizes who she is. She'll become an invincible army. She'll become an invincible army. Invincible means indefeatable. Invincible means the devil doesn't have a chance. Invincible means that you'll overcome all things. But invincible doesn't mean you won't have a battle. It doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to happen. Oh, I thought everybody would say amen to that one. I'll try it again. It doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to happen. Because we're finite. You know, there are lingering cases that we want to see God declare His glory in, but they seem to linger. You know, we know that one of the first cases is Abraham. God said, I'm going to give you a son. And it lingered. Not a few months, not a few years. It lingered 25 years. And it, But it was the word of God that came to Abraham and that word was going to materialize. And Abraham believing God, that was imputed to him for righteousness. Alright, in, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul describes it. And he says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. How we could... 
that's been preached on hundreds, thousands of times, tens of thousands of times, maybe hundreds of thousands of times in this message by all the preachers of this message of Abraham's faith. And he considered not his own body a hundred years old. He didn't consider what the flesh was telling him. He didn't consider even what his mind was telling him. He considered what God told him. That's all he considered. This God cannot lie. This God proved himself to me personally. You know, and that's that's where we have to come to even in the message of the hour. We have a wonderful church here and we can be caught up in the atmosphere of real believers. But if you're not yet a real believer, you need God to prove himself to you personally. This is a personal gospel and, and, and others can pray with you and others can counsel you and others can make things, uh, try to help, help you. But yet in the midst of it all, it has to be God come to you personally. Can we say amen to that? And God loves to come to us personally and prove himself to us personally so that we can stand and say, though a thousand fall at at my right hand and 10,000 at my left hand, I'll still walk on with God because he proved himself to me. He made himself real to me. Others might say, well, I don't believe it or I think it's wrong or I don't believe this that was said or that that was said. That's because he never proved himself to you, but he proved himself to me. Bible says about Abraham, he says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Being fully persuaded. Here we go now. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded? That what he promised for the last days, a rapture, a body change, he is able to perform. I'm not able to perform it, but he's able to perform it. I'm persuaded that God does not lie. I'm fully persuaded that God does not lie. And to those of you that are fully persuaded is the next verse. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. For it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Amen. Brother Bram says about Abraham. I'm just, I'm going to take several visions here. I'll take four, actually. Abraham, when it got darker, he says, and darker, he growed stronger and stronger. When God lingered and lingered and seemed to get farther away, Abraham's faith built higher and higher. He said, be a greater miracle all the time. He rested on the word of the living God. God said so no matter how unreasonable it seemed. It was so because God said so. Amen. And all the sons and daughters of Abraham said. Amen. There's another man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph we know his life. I won't spend much time on him. But he believed God, though it tarried. 
though it lingered. And as a young man, he had the vision of, of his family bowing down to him. The sun, the moon, the stars, the wave sheaves. He, he had those, those dreams and, and he knew it was of God. And so he was a man that was spiritual and his brother hated, brother and hated him. And we know he was a very type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had to live out his life and he had to get sold into slavery. And when he, when he got uh, taken by the slave traders, it, it lingered. And when he went into Potiphar's house, it lingered. And when he went to, to uh, prison of a false accusation, it lingered. And it looked like, as far as the natural, that the vision could not be fulfilled. It looked like that his life was ruined. A false accusation ruined his life. That's what it looked like. But it wasn't the fact. The fact was what God said was going to come to pass. And so though it lingered, and he lingered in the prison, and for for years he lingered in that prison. We don't know how long he was there before the baker and the butler ended up in prison. But after they were there, it was still another two years. That it lingered. And it still lingered. But Joseph believed God. And Joseph believed what God had showed him could not pass away. Amen. If it was God, it'll never fail. And Joseph just held to it. And one day, one day, though it lingered, yet it came to pass. And it materialized right before his eyes. Hallelujah. And the whole dream, and and you could even say it didn't materialize all in a day. Because he got, he got, went from the prison to the right hand of Pharaoh, but where was his parents bowing down to him? There was still another seven years of plenty. It never materialized fully. They were taking in the grain. They were storing up the grain. He was busy with his administrative work. He was carrying on, but the dream, the vision stayed true. God was moving things into place. He was moving the, oh, how God loves to work. I just love to think about the big picture and how that God, you know, as he's there and Joseph is there and the Egyptians don't even realize what God's doing. You see, what he's actually doing is he's gathering all of this wheat because after he gathers the wheat, then he's going to open the storehouses to the world and he's going to gather the wealth of the world. He's going to bring the wealth of the known world into Egypt because in the end of it all, when a Pharaoh raises up that does not know Joseph, God is going to prove who he is that the greatest nation of the world is going to be destroyed. God raised it up and God tore it down. But there was Joseph in the midst of it all and he might have thought, well, I'm here and this is here and how is this going to happen? I don't know. And and at least I have a great position of authority, but he was busy with what God was doing. But one day, brothers showed up at his doorstep. The vision materialized. Hallelujah. How many years after Joseph was sold to the slave trader? Probably decades. Maybe 25 years like Abraham. But it came to pass. Hallelujah. You still with me tonight? You know, I want to talk about two things in Brother Branham's ministry. I want to talk one from the very beginning of his ministry. And I want to talk about one at the very end of his ministry. Because they contrast a little bit. 
You know, Brother Branham, early on, and I have the quotes, but we won't take them because it'd take too much time, but maybe you can read it for yourself. It's in the message, Expectations, and uh, it's in several places that Brother Branham mentions it. The one I'm looking at is a pro- message, Approach to God, 1955. Uh, Brother Branham deals with it. Now, he talks about a, having a vision in the young part of his ministry, there's a baby that's sick, just a young child actually. Uh, I don't know how old, I don't remember how old, two or three years old. He sees the room. He sees a certain blonde-haired man in the room standing in a certain place. He sees an older woman sitting in a chair wiping her glasses. You know the vision I'm talking about. He sees... Uh, uh, you know, the parents there, the mother is leaning against the door crying in the vision and, and, and then he prays for the child in the vision and the child gets well. Okay. So now, as, as he, as Brother Branham happened to be called to the house then, uh, a little while, a time later, maybe a, a few weeks, I think it was, and he's called to the house and, and, uh, he recognizes it right away. This is the house I saw in the vision. And this is the baby that was sick in the vision. And so he quickly began to, you know, his mind, I would imagine, was all a whir. You know, he's just, Brother Bram's just a man. Just like you or I. As Brother Bram says, I make mistakes every day. Just like you and me. But yet he's called to a very high office. And gifted as a prophet of God. And, and so God is beginning to mold his prophet and beginning to show him certain things and how to respond to the visions that God gives him very specifically. And, uh, and so he, he saw this boy and, and he saw the parents and saw everything and this is the room and everything like that. And the boy was, seemed like congestion and couldn't hardly breathe and was dying. Maybe we could liken it like COVID. You know, like something was so strong and had taken a grip of the boy's lungs and now seemed like the boy couldn't live unless God did something for him. And so then, then he, he took the boy in his arms, recognizing it as the place and he prays for him and the boy gets worse. He's just gasping for breath. You know how it tears your heart out when the children are sick and he's just, he's wondering what, what did I do then? If all of a sudden he remembered in the vision that certain things in certain places. All right, you with me so far? So then he 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 didn't run away. He continued to believe God. That's number one. Why did God give the vision in the first place? Because God has an attribute called a healer. And that what he saw in that child was a part of the expression of the healing virtue that was loosed at Calvary that would manifest in the ministry of a prophet. I want you to catch this now. That God had determined it's going to happen. And God uses men to make it happen. And he's going to, in this case, use Brother Branham to bring it to pass. But And Brother Branham being a man of God, full of the Holy Ghost and and he, he got into the situation now where he realized, I've missed the vision. But he can't share that with anybody. And so he's just there. And he actually, because it's evening time, he thought, well, I just have to wait here until I see everything in place. And he actually waits all night long. Talk about it tarrying. You or I might have given up. Oh, Lord. 
Where's the, where's the fulfillment of the vision? But it was necessary that certain ingredients be there for the materialization of the vision. Because the vision come from the mind of the eternal God. The infinite God. The omnipotent God. That is expressing his mind to Brother Branham. The God who sees yesterday, today and forever as though they're all right now. And God being eternal, and that's what eternal means. No tomorrow, no yesterday, it's just eternal. And God had shared this with his prophet, because God doesn't share everything with his prophets. But yet he shared this with his prophet and showed him this is what's going to come to pass. And you're going to be in the middle of it. So now there's a, there's a vision, there's a situation, but it's tarrying. It's lingering. And a prophet is standing there. The anguish. All night, he's waiting. The child is sick, hardly breathing. The, probably turning blue at some times. And the parents are in anguish and everything's in anguish. Then all of a sudden in the morning, then, then he, he, his uh, friend, Brother Snelling, I think his name was, uh, who took him there, said, well, I got to go to work, so I guess I, I better go. And so and Brother Bram thinks within says, oh, God, don't let him leave. He's part of the vision. But he's still waiting for the old lady to show up. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't just a clinical thing. This is anguish of the heart. This is, this is hard on the person's mind. You know, they're waiting on something. Something must happen. Do you ever feel that way? Something must happen. It's gotta be supernatural. But it's gotta be God. It's not me pushing it to happen. It's not me trying to make it happen. But it's gotta be God come on the scene. And there, Brother Branham in his heart is crying out to God, what must I do? What must I say? How must I act? I don't know what to do, so I'll stand still, much like Moses when he cast down the rod. He didn't know what else to do. God just said, throw down the rod, it become a snake. The, the, the magicians came through down their rods, they became a snake. God never told them that part. God just said, yours will turn to a snake. And Moses just said, well, I don't know what to do, I'll just stand here. I'll just wait. And he watches his snake swallow up the other snakes. And then he picks it up by the tail. It becomes a stick again. Amen. Who was that? That was God. There had to be a, what I'm trying to get to you is there has to be a certain set of circumstances that God is interested in. Listen, saints, God knows he's a healer. He doesn't have to prove himself to nobody. But he's interested in a certain set of circumstances. And so when you find yourself in a certain set of circumstances, you can look up to God and say, God, I know you're interested in these. Hallelujah. I know you're on the scene. I may not see what you see, but I know you're looking down with eternal eyes. I know you're looking over all these circumstances and I may not understand it. I may not know how I'm getting out of here. I may not know how this thing's going to resolve itself, but I know you know. Hallelujah. I know the vision, though it tarry, must materialize. circumstances. I was looking about the Garden of Eden. How that in the Garden of Eden, God had something in his mind. He said, let there be light. 
Let the heavens and the firmament be divided. And then the Bible says, and God saw that it was good. What does that mean? In other words, God is saying, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's what it meant. Let there be animal life. And God saw that it was good. Let there be fish in the sea. And God saw that it was good. Is exactly what I was thinking about. Until he brought it up and built it up and built it up as like an evolution. Not the way science describes evolution, but the evolving of the higher forms of creation coming up till God says, let us make man in our image. And God made man in his own image. And it was very good. Because God had a vision in mind that there would be mankind as an amateur God upon the earth and that that they would uh, come to a place of authority in the Garden of Eden. I hope your mind's going there tonight. They came to a place in the Garden of Eden and God looked down on his family and says, oh, it's very good. That's exactly the way I thought of it. Perfect faith, perfect love, perfect overcoming, perfect victory, perfect atmosphere, perfect attitude. Everything that God had in his thoughts just materializing there. Everything that God saw, oh, it's very good. Oh, it's just exactly the way I want it. You see, God has interest in the circumstances. God says there's got to be certain ingredients To bring about the materialization that I have in my mind. We are impatient. But God is the perfect patience. God's, Brother Branham describes it as the wheels of God's timing move so slow. The gears move around so slowly. But when they come into place. Then's when God comes on the scene. Because God sees certain circumstances that he's allowed. And he and he's even allowed the devil to do what he's doing. And bring about a negative side of things. To push his children into a per- certain position. Because it, oh, I might as well jump to the end now. Because his whole objective is that he would move creation down from the Garden of Eden. Through a fallen condition. He's working through all the circumstances of the lives of the believers down through the ages. That he might fulfill the three things he had in his mind all that was in God he would pour into Christ and all that was in Christ he pour into the church and Christ and the church would unite to what produce another garden of Eden a perfect faith a perfect love a perfect attitude, a perfect atmosphere. And God could look down on the fulfillment of his thoughts and say, oh, it's very good. It's exactly what I had in my mind. But there's many necessary ingredients to that picture. Just like there was in Brother Branham. Just like there was in another case, the last case I'll mention. Then we'll just kind of steer it towards a close was the case of Sister Mita and her growth. Because now in the beginning of his ministry, he's looking for the vision and then praying. And But really in this one, this one is in the third pole. Right? So Brother Branham's, God's going to move Brother Branham into a position to manifest the third pole. Now let me ask you this. What, did Brother Branham have the Holy Ghost? 
Now this one, that's going to seem silly. Did Brother Bradham believe in divine healing? Sure he did. He'd seen thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands healed, miracles, dead raised, all of that. And here's his wife now. We know the cause of it. There's always a cause to it. It's always the devil one way or another. And here she is with the growth now, beginning to manifest from her ovaries. And then it grows and it grows and sticks. Now he prayed for her. He prayed for her. You can say, well, the gift wasn't for himself. Well, she's not himself. That's his wife. He prayed for her. I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. You pray for your wives or your husbands, your children, your families. But it lingered. But it tarried. And he, he, said, oh, he certainly believed the word of God. I don't think but what there was. I don't think there was even an ounce of doubt. In Brother Brown's mind. But as he prayed, the more it growed. More it growed, the more he prayed. The more he prayed, the more it growed. Till finally he says, uh, you know, well, we better see a doctor about it. And she goes to the doctor and the doctor says, well, we better take it off before it grows. And Brother Brown says, just leave it a little bit longer where, where people that believe God were trusting the Lord. And so the doctor says, all right, but don't leave it too long. And the doctor kept watching the case. And finally, it came the time... Where, where the doctor says, alright, it's gotta come out now or it's gonna be, it's gonna start to spread. If that thing breaks, it'll spread out the whole body and she's dead. And so he, he, and I may not have the exact words, but you understand what I'm saying. And, and he's, he's, he says to his wife these words, he says, well, maybe our faith isn't strong enough for this case. You go look it up, that's what he said. It lingered. It lingered. Have you ever felt like your faith wasn't strong enough? Hallelujah. That brings it down to our level, doesn't it? And he says, so I guess we'll have to have the operation. So they, they make the preparations. The doctor schedules the operation. Everything's set to go for the next day. And, and uh, I think the night before, Brother Brown's praying one last time. He's by himself. He says, oh God. She's been such a faithful wife. She didn't mean what she said. I know she's suffering from what she said when she should. Let me put it another way. I know she's suffering because of her wrong attitude at that particular time. But Lord, she's been so good. She's always packed my clothes. She never complained when I come home from traveling and go out hunting or go out fishing and He's always been a good wife. But the ram's human. Hello? He says, oh God. And then the angel of the Lord comes in the room. Though it tarry, it will materialize. The angel comes in the room and says, stand up. He stands up. Says whatever you say, now it'll happen. All right, now let's take a step back here for a moment. Why didn't he just say it on the first day? Why didn't he just speak it 
in the second week? Why didn't he just claim it in the third week? Just speak it. You can't just speak it. It's got to be God. Let me, let me quote it for you here. He says, sometimes people say, well, now the word said this. Let's take it just exactly the way it says. This is 1954, Jesus on the authority of the word. He says, well, that's right, but that word has to fall in a certain ground or it won't produce. See, they say I'm a Christian now. The Lord said, whatever I ask in his name, I get it. Amen, I'll ask this. Now that's not the right ground maybe yet. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. You can't take cactus and grow it in clay. If you put cactus in real rich soil, it'll die. Cactus grows in sand. You take a pine tree and put it in that sand in Arizona where the cactus grows, it'll die. Because there's not enough moisture. Yet both of them is in soil. It must be the right word at the right place and it will take place. He says, I prayed for thousands of people, just a routine of praying for people. But yet I don't know what's going to happen till he shows me what's going to happen. Then I have thus saith the Lord. Then the Lord has brought his word in confirmation. Then I know just exactly what he's going to do when he tells me what he's going to do. Then it makes a perfect faith. If you notice Jesus, he only used those things as God permitted him. He said the son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the father doing. Amen. That's why the bride has to have Thus saith the Lord, she has to have the word of God and know what God wants done with it. She has thus saith the Lord or she stands still. All right. These are statements that we're all familiar with. He says the son can do nothing himself but what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father doeth, he showeth the son and the father worketh and I work hitherto. In other words, what the word of God made manifest in Christ was what God showed him to do. Says any prophet, any spiritual man at of any age, any time was always exactly the same thing. You so you can't jump at conclusions. Now why am I preaching this? So you won't be frustrated. So you know, though it tarry, it will come to pass. You, as I said last time, I said, sometimes we're looking for a miracle and God wants to give us character. Oh, that's not always easy to hear, is it? You know, we want a miracle. You know, we got a problem. We want a miracle. We want this over right now. But really, God says, you need this to mold your character. And I'm going to use this. And though it tarry, it shall be fulfilled. It will materialize. But yet in the tarrying of it, I'm going to give you character. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Or ouch, whichever you prefer. You know, it's all the same with God. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Let me continue reading on. Brother Bram says you can't jump at conclusions. The word says this, I'll accept it and do this. You can't do that. 
if it hasn't fallen right yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes and materializes that and shows you what to do, then you can do it because it's not you done. This is the written word of God, the plan of salvation, but we have to be careful how we handle it. By his stripes, I'm healed. You know what I do with that? When I'm sick, I just claim that promise and keep walking. Though it tarry, it will materialize. I just keep walking forward. It's a promise of God. I may not see it today. I may not see it tomorrow. But I know I'm going to get well. Sometimes I might cry out to God and say, Lord, this is sure tearing a long time. I still believe you, but this sure is taking its sweet time. It's taking a while for my body to line up to my confession. But it will. But it will. Though it tarry, it shall come to pass. That's the word of the Lord. It doesn't matter. We might say, oh, Lord, my children, I'd like to see them all at the altar tonight. Just speak it. I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you've got to wrestle it out. Sometimes God just wants to see how much you believe him. They're all going to be there. That's the promise of the word of God. I don't have a doubt in that for a second. And quite frankly, I'll be a son of Abraham that says, I don't care how long it tarries. I don't care how old I get. They're going to be there. I would imagine when Job was sitting on the ash heap and all of his children were dead and everything like that. And everybody was trying to tell him, really, you've just lived the wrong kind of a life. You've done wrong. You've acted wrong. You've behaved wrong. There's some kind of hidden sin in your life, Job. But Job knew who he was. Job knew he had made the provided sacrifice. And he says, I'm not just going to listen to everybody's opinion about how I should behave. I'm going to sit here and wait here until he comes on the scene. Hallelujah. And when he comes on the scene, then I'll know what this trial is about. I appreciate the wisdom of everybody. I appreciate the advice of everybody. But yet in the midst of it all, it's me and God. I'm sure that was Job's attitude. He appreciated his friends coming to encourage him. Wasn't much encouragement. But Job knew whom he had believed. And was persuaded. That he was able to keep that which he had committed unto him. Against that he had committed his children to him. He had committed his life to him. He had made the provided sacrifice. And he knew it doesn't matter what this circumstances describe. I trust him who made the promise. Amen. He says, for instance, many times there are people that come in the line and I pray for them. I never know what's going to happen. This is the same quote. I just pray for them. There is a power in prayer. Prayer will even change the word of God. And he, and he quotes Hezekiah and Isaiah. Is that right? And how that, you know, Isaiah told him, thus saith the Lord, make ready because you're going to die. And Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and cried out, oh God, you know, I've lived with you with a, before you with a perfect heart. He should have trusted God because God knew what would happen if he lived any longer. 
He should have said, well, Lord, if that's your perfect will for my life, I want to live in your perfect will. But yet in the midst of it, he says, no, I want 15 more years. And God said, all right. You've prayed the right way, and I'm going to give you 15 years. And those were not very good 15 years, if you know the life of Hezekiah. All right. He says, I just pray for them. There's power in prayer. Prayer will even change the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and he went and told Hezekiah. And then he describes the situation. And, and then the Lord came to the prophet again and said, go tell him I heard his prayer, and he's coming off the bed in three days. He says, prayer changes things. And it does. But we need to pray like Jesus prayed. Not my will, but thy will be done. Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Is that your desire this evening? Amen. See, it's got to be God's thoughts. Before it can be spoken, I gotta bring this to a close. Before it can be spoken as God's word, then it will materialize. Because when it's God's thoughts, and He speaks it even through your mouth, it must come to pass. I think I've got about another hour here, of which I won't. This isn't the type of shout, get excited, jump out of your seat type of service. This is a type of foundational teaching for us. That we know where we're anchored. We know that our anchor holds within the veil. We know where we're standing. We know that God's word is true. We know that our God is infallible. But yet, even when we make mistakes, I'm going to go back to the vision early in Brother Brown's ministry and bring it to a close here. Even when we make our mistakes, and Brother Branham said, Oh, you don't know how I felt. He says, I I thought if that child dies, I would be responsible. Not that I would have killed him, he says, but I would have been responsible for messing up the vision. And then the child would die. And then the woman starts to, it starts to dawn the dawn of day and, and the, the, the grandmother comes up the driveway. She usually comes around to the back door, but this time she come in the front door. God knows what he's doing. God's interested in putting everything in place in our lives. See, what I'm telling you tonight is God has a vision for your life. God sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything in place. He knows what your purpose is. He knows what he's going to use you for. He knows all about your family. He knows all about your physical structure. He knows about your mental structure. He knows about the battles and scars you've had in your mind. He knows about about the anxiety and depression and everything that the devil's tried to put on you. He knows those things. But yet he sees you as a perfect son or daughter of God, raised in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, putting the devil under your feet and overcoming all things. That's what God sees. And that's what we need to claim. That's what we need to hold on to, is that he sees a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish or any such things. That's what God sees. We see our own spots, our own wrinkles, our own blemishes. But I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at a God that sees me perfect. 
And I'm saying, though it tarry, it must materialize. Though it tarry long, though it lingers, though it seems like the circumstances of life take odd turns, and believe me, they do. And we end up in places we didn't think we'd ever end up in. But in the midst of all those things, we can stand and say, God knows what he's doing. He knows my life. He knows my makeup. He sees the sieging of this soul. It's a part of him. It was in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. It doesn't matter how scattered my family looks. It doesn't matter how how wayward somebody might seem. It doesn't matter who's coming against you. That has nothing to do with it. Though it linger, it must materialize. Because God sees one thing. He sees the attitude of your heart. And there was Brother Branham in the room and going, oh God, I'm such a failure. I've messed it up and now this child's going to die because of me. He just stayed there and he stayed there and he stayed there. And the grandmother, just as, as Graham Snelling's about to walk out the door, the grandmother, who's also a relative of Graham Snelling, comes in. It's cold out. And the glasses fog up when she walks in the door. Those of you with glasses know what I'm talking about. And she takes them off and she starts to takes her handkerchief out and starts to wipe them, wipe the fog off the glasses, trying to warm them up because they're cold and make creating condensation in the warm house. And she, what's, she asks her child, she asks what's going on and how's the baby? And the, and the, and they just took that one question to trigger the mother. Oh, she says, he's not any better. She leans against the door crying. The ingredients are coming into place. God's interested in a certain scenario. And then the woman, let me just read it the way Brother Brown said it. He says, I thought, oh, that's her. That's the woman. I didn't know it was the grandmother of the child. I know it was the woman that was in the vision. And so here she come walking right. And I thought, here it is. Here it is. The grace of God is going to override it. Hallelujah. We talk about a perfect God. We talk about a perfect who knows all things. But yet when you talk about human mistakes. And you say, oh, how's it ever going to happen? Brother Branham said it was what was in his heart. When love is projected, sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. He had no way to produce it in himself. As far as he knew, he had messed it up. But the grace of God came on the scene. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit come around and begin to nudge this one. You need to move that hat so she can sit down. And then the Graham's, you know, he picks up his hat that he sets it up over there because he was going to leave. And she sits in the chair and he's standing there. The mother's crying against the door and everything's there. Now, Brother Branham says, he stands up. Now, if you still believe me to be God's prophet, or I'll say it another way. If you still believe this to be the word of the Lord. Now bring me the child. Hallelujah. And they brought him the child. He prayed for him. The supernatural came on the scene. Everything was in place. And the vision materialized. Hallelujah. That which God had in his thoughts had now become a materialization. And the baby was healed. 
And he said, watch, he'll be perfectly whole in three days. There was another part to the vision and he had to come back. He invited the whole church to come back with him, by the way. So why don't you all come and see the rest of the vision? Why? Because he believed God. And he believed the vision. And I believe God. And I believe the vision. I believe there'll be a rapture. I'm not looking for something else. I'll paraphrase the rest of my notes. I'm not looking for some other sign. Brother Bram says you're seeing the last sign that will be sent to the church. It already came. Now the message, the shout that will initiate the rapture has already come. I'm not looking for another message. I'm not looking for another messenger. The shout is already here. Amen. I'm not looking for something else. You know what I am looking for though is the other piece to the vision. What's the other piece to the vision? God sees every predestinated seed that has to receive this message. Hallelujah. That's why I get excited about what's going on in Ethiopia. We got, we're going back to the missions podcast. Those of you that are listening to the missions podcast, there'll be a new series coming out right away. Just had a two part series with Brother Mogus over there in Egypt, in, in Ethiopia rather, and how God's moving in that country. And how the, the church age book has had a huge impact till even the leader of the, of the U, one of the leaders of the UPC church, which is quite big in that country, got a hold of the church age book and sat down with Brother Mogus and another brother and says, listen, this is the truth. Amen. Says, I can't receive it because of my position. Isn't that sad? Says, but if you handle this right, it'll sweep the nation. I thought, that man doesn't know what he's prophesying. God's doing something. Though it linger, it will materialize. Uganda, different place. Brother Fred just told me last week, he says, uh, he sent me some pictures. He says, just want to tell you, we had another baptism with over 300 people in this church. This church just came into the message last week. He's got the video testimony over there. We'll have another podcast with Brother Fred there. A lineup of 300 people for water baptism. I'll tell you what, though it linger, it will materialize. God knows what he's doing. He's got it in control. All we're waiting for is for the last piece. That's why every part that we play is important to God. Whether you pray, Bible says, how can someone go unless they be sent? And if you send somebody, you help send somebody, you, or whether God calls you to go or to labor. You know, I'm just going to say this. Musicians can come. You know, when, when Jesus said, pray, the harvest is ripe, pray the Lord of the harvest, that he send what? Laborers. He didn't say dancers. He didn't say singers. We all love to dance. We love to sing. We love to shout. We love to rejoice. We come to church. We want to do that. We're rejoicing in what God has done for us. But you know what? He said, never pray for those things. Pray for laborers. That God will send laborers into the field. Send workers into the field. I can say that with authority. I got somebody sitting on the platform here with me that is the epitome of a worker. If you want to know how to work, this guy knows how to work. Hope you don't mind, Brother Murphy. But I've never seen anybody work so hard as this man. I don't know if it's it's cultural work ethic. I don't think it's all that. I think it's the burden that God has put upon him for his people. 
and the translation work and the labor to get the message out. It's not just to get the message out. It's that the vision must materialize. When, when God saw himself coming down in a sweep, a supernatural sweep, and these bodies are changed in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, he saw every seed of God that would be changed. He's infinite. He saw everyone. So when he spoke it in his word, and Paul says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'll tell you what, when, when that was spoken in the scripture, when Paul spoke that from the mind of God, Paul didn't see everyone, but God saw everyone. And don't be discouraged, saints, though it linger, it will materialize. You believe that? Give me F. I'm, I'm, I am thinking of the rapture in our blessed home on high. Let's stand together. Our gathering
and the labors will be over. We'll have, this is where we're laboring. We're wanting to fulfill the vision. You have a part and you have a part. Everybody has a part. Every one of God's seed has a part. You say, oh, my seed is so small. There's no small with God. Every part is integral. The infinite God says there's nobody can take your place. Nobody can be you and nobody can be me. It's all part of the vision. And when all those pieces come together, it will materialize. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonder? Wonderful. Some glad morning when this life is over. to that that's what we live for that's what we fight for that's what we go through everything we go through it might seem hard here it may seem like how long will this linger how long will this tarry it may but it shall materialize and the bible says in Habakkuk 2 God said to Habakkuk record the vision that he that reads it may run have you read the vision run with the vision be fearless with the vision stand for the vision what God has revealed in these last days 
Brother Bradham said one place as I close. He says, if he can bring a congressman of the United States, that's Congressman Upshaw, from a cripple 66 years to a perfect well man, he can do me the same way. Though it linger, yet will it speak. The vision will speak. It has to. He that readeth, let him run. I say run with this message. Don't go home and say, well, I I made it through another week. No, run with this message. Take it wherever it'll go. I'm looking at you, Brother Ellie. The little... I say little because I'm big. Little brother over here. It's not that you're a little man. But what God has anointed him to do. We were talking about it before the service. How that he got a burden for his people in Rwanda. Gathered some translators. Now they have 300 translations in their language. And 200, about 200 audio translations. But Rwanda used to be what the, what was the old country called Burundi and Rwanda together they used to be one country and they split because of political nonsense and uh, and so there's another country called Burundi that's almost brothers to them different tribe but it's like brothers to them you got burden for the people of Burundi and so we started doing the Kurundi language there's some brothers in Burundi that wanted to Get the message in their language. Just been a couple of months, really. They've already got 30 translations in their language. I say praise be to God. Run with the message. You think, well, I'm not doing nothing. I'll tell you what. God sees the two mites that you put in the missions offering. Every little penny, every prayer that's offered. Remember these people in prayer. Everything that you feel on your heart to do. Give somebody a message book. Reach out to somebody. Encourage these brothers that are laboring. I'll tell you what. Every part's important. Run with the message. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father. You see the end from the beginning. When we talk about foreign lands, it's no different than talking about our own backyard, our families, our loved ones, our own personal needs, Lord. Though it linger, yet it will materialize, oh God. It must come to pass. The vision will speak. You are our healer, you are our provider. You are our deliverer. You are our protection. You are our banner. Lord, you're all these things and more, oh God. We just rejoice in you this evening, oh Lord. Your vision cannot fail. Our ideas might fail, but your vision will never fail, oh God. So Lord, we commit ourselves afresh to you tonight. If there be one here on the ash heap of their life, Maybe there's one person going through a trial. Yet, Lord, may you just pour in grace tonight. To bring the vision to its materialization, oh God. Lord, if there be somebody going through a sickness or a a battle, oh God. You're the one that meets them in that situation, Lord. 
You're interested in the circumstances. Lord, may you bring them into position in our lives to manifest your word, your attributes in a glorious way as only you can, Lord. We love your supernatural. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here to do all of this, even exceeding abundantly above what we would ask or say, Lord. So, Lord, may you go forth in power and demonstration tonight, confirming your word. May the people's faith be increased. May their relationship to you be closer than it's ever been before. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We commit ourselves to you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.